0: Welcome to The Common Room, the show where the crew gets to hang out and talk all things Dungeons and Doctorates, as well as answering questions from you, the audience. I'm your host, Ross Bolch, and joining me this week, we have our game master, Benjamin Keenan. Hello. Voice of the delightful Meredith Meadowlark, Dr. Joanna House. Hello. And of course, voice of the mysteriously aloof Potentia, K.O. Sullivan.
1: That's oh, me. Hello. It's rounding out the group. <laughs> yes, welcome
0: all. Uh, this is going to be a really fun show. Folks, please beware, this episode of The Common Room contains spoilers for episodes one through seven. Find friends right up until Parchment and Passageways. Guys, first of all, um, congratulations, we did it.
2: Yay! Yeah. We did it. Woo. <laughs> Woohoo!
0: So, Things that have
2: been done.
0: Yeah, oh, this was a lot of work <laughs> by all of us. Uh-huh. People are
1: listening. Keep I know! Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, That's so it's cool, really
0: man. cool. Um, so, yeah, thank you to everyone who's listening. Obviously, you're listening now and we appreciate it. Um, that was a pretty hectic sort of meltdown period uh, a <laughs> yeah. couple of weeks before we released. Um, just giving away the game a little, we are, we we kind of produce a little bit ahead of the release so that we have a bit of content banked up and that kind of stuff. Um and obviously that is something that we did for for this um, because we released so many episodes at once, so we had to get a lot of content done in a fairly short period of time. Uh, I mean But it was a you, lot of fun.
1: You two did an amazing job of like uh-huh. Joe and I are like do do it social media. Yeah, we're right? gonna hang <laughs> out over here and do creative things, and you guys are like, Oh my god, we gotta get this edited and mastered, and we've got four episodes yeah. to do in like two weeks. And we're like, the yeah, amount of do, editing do, do, back and do, forth yeah. was crazy. Yeah. yeah.
3: Yeah, that <laughs> first episode rocks. took a
0: long time.
1: Joe you know yeah. and I were yeah. so lazy. It was amazing.
0: <laughs> I mean, I think um, definitely some egos had to be put aside. Like, the, this is a very collaborative project, you know, and um, I think between us, we just... You know, we, we, we hit on something that hopefully you all are enjoying listening to this. And, um, yeah. you know, so many decisions got made about, you know, the, the the type of music we would use. How much editing are we going to do? You know, how much of the session is going to be natural versus sort of trying to improve the experience a bit? And yeah, I think we hit on a really good mix in the end. And it seems like people are enjoying the show. But I think what I want to do is we, we got a very brief period of session zero to introduce ourselves. But I think we have a chance now to talk maybe a little bit more about ourselves and I think I want to start with of course our game master Ben um, whoop, whoop. obviously this is that awkward point in a in a date where someone's like so tell me about yourself um, <laughs> but, but Ben tell me about yourself
3: okay well I have a very unusual academic background studying animation game design physics and then finally science communication uh, so I'm a weird generalist of a person um, still haven't quite got my my musical talents down so I'm still learning some of that I'm trying to eventually get more composing stuff done but I like board games and science fiction I'm the whole nerd
0: package my friends. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah. Now Ben, out of all of us, you have been playing D&D for a long time You've been game mastering for much of that time too, right? Yeah, so I
3: started my first time playing uh, first year of uni So like first year out of high school I played a uh, very fresh wizard who was straight out of wizard school And mm-hmm. the very first thing he did was get trampled by a minotaur <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> It sounds about right Classic wizard, yeah
3: <laughs> uh, so I've been playing for a long time I started playing with my high school friends um, more than 10 years ago at this point uh, I introduced the idea of Dungeons and Dragons to them they were really keen, they said let's play tomorrow, I went oh, <laughs> uh, okay, <laughs> sure so I very hastily drew a map and a, a rough campaign overnight and then ran session zero for them the next day Um, including buying multiple sets of dice because no one had dice so um, running in person D&D for a long time I at one stage I was running three different campaigns all set within the same
0: world yeah well we'll pick up on that later because I really want to get into a bit more detail on that but um yeah yeah, it's been it's been a wild ride. Uh, I've dabbled in other
3: like tabletop role playing things. Um, I did some Pathfinder. I did Star Wars role playing, which was lots of fun. Uh, I've even run like custom games for like Naruto and Full Metal Alchemist, like
0: super nerdy niche things. Ben definitely has the pedigree, but obviously now um, science communication is your full time job, basically.
3: Yeah, so I I work for a science-focused PR firm doing science communication stuff, handling press releases, doing social
0: media, all that kind of stuff. You did a lot of project on essentially what makes science content
3: yeah so my master's research I looked at what science podcasts share that the most popular ones have like what what the most popular science podcasts all share
1: if you want to hear us talk about that you should listen to the episode of non-peer-reviewed where I interview Ben
3: (laughs) yeah that's true so yeah that was episode 22 of the non-peer-reviewed podcast
0: over a year ago yeah we're fairly early on and we've all appeared on that multiple times uh which is a great podcast that uh, everyone should go out and listen to as well. All right, well let's let's move on to me, I guess. To steal a phrase off of someone else, um, Ben is everyone else in the world, and we are um, we we are the characters, we're the players. So I play Harold, of course, uh, the the druid who is from the city. A very unusual uh, origin for a druid in D and D. Um, but it's kind of one that I wanted to explore. And um, we, we'll talk a little bit about our characters later on because some listeners kind of wanted to know about that. But uh, I have a pretty similar story to Ben, I guess, in a lot of ways. Like, obviously, we, we did live together for two years. Um, and that was a lot of fun. Like, we would have massively long discussions about, like, fixing Star Wars, <laughs> of course. Um, and sometimes more nefarious discussions. Like, um, me and me and the other housemate, we were both biology sort of squishies uh, to, to sort of do a callback and um, we would often discuss how we could murder Ben and then get away with disposing of his body without leaving any evidence. Um, yeah, that was an interesting conversation
3: to walk into the living room and have you both talking about my death and how you would hide my yeah, body.
0: Yeah, so, and uh, Ben had some good ideas too, so. I think the only risk at that house was cats. Yeah. To be fair, they were the scariest thing. But yeah, I mean, I, I grew up as a nerd. Like, I absolutely loved science growing up. I, I read all of the horrible science books, mm-hmm. yes. um, and I, yes. I think they were a great starting off point for for getting into science. But the funny thing is, is that I never really got hardcore into a lot of the nerdy stuff. Like, I knew that things like Dungeons and Dragons exist. And the concept was always cool to me. Like, I I, I did, I dabbled in, like, Warhammer, like a lot of nerds do, but never really, you know, fully got into the experience of playing. And I think it's because I didn't really have... Back then, the internet didn't exist. You couldn't just find nerds and sort of herd them towards you. Like, you, you had to hope to find someone else who was into that stuff, and I just never really did. So for me, I, I satisfied a lot of that with computer games, you know, like um, The Knights of the Old Republic, Morrowind you know, Dragon Age, like The Witcher, um, all of those games. And that's kind of satisfied my role play a bit there. And then once I got into the podcasting world, which has exploded now, you know, like back in the day, there really weren't that many people doing like D&D podcasts I think if you were to go to a producer and say oh we're gonna play D&D and then we're gonna have people listen back to that they would have told you you were nuts but you know it's turned into this really cool concept and I think it's Stranger Things as well I'm sure a lot of people have had this where they saw Stranger Things and thought oh D&D seems cool like just watching them play but not because obviously not the rest of the show is pretty fantastical but just watching them play made me think oh I really do want to try D&D like it seems cool like the idea of telling a story together really appeals to me. There was also a really good community episode.
1: God, I can just I can remember it. It's the yeah. the, the throne of oh, yep.
0: yep. My background is science as well. I'm a, I'm a infectious disease uh, Feels weird to say expert, but I am 10 years in. At this point, I probably can call myself that now. Um and yeah, I'm I'm I've always been fascinated by how tiny tiny sort of organisms can do so much with so little resources Uh, and that's kind of what drew me into infectious disease and yeah now I'm here you know I've done I've done my own sort of share of science content in the past I, I don't have professional creds like all of you folks um I just sort of got to the age of like 21 and thought, ah, how am I just do this? And started a podcast, basically. I didn't know what I was doing.
1: Yeah, we um, all decided we needed technical expertise before we could jump in and do the thing that you did.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're, you're, you're <laughs> kind of learning a lot about me, basically. I just sort of assume that I'll be fine and just jump into stuff all the time. But a um, way to do that's it, That's kind of... Kind of how things happen, but that's that's enough about me. I can I've waffled on about myself on various venues all over the internet. Um, Joe, let's talk about let's talk about you. So you are the voice of Meredith Meadowlark.
2: I am yes. Who is basically a like version of myself but on steroids. I've decided. Yeah, she's, I recently yeah. got a very a brand new puppy who you may be able to hear in the background because she's yeah. like a yeah. meter away from me, and I've basically decided that Meredith is my puppy. Hub, <laughs> um, that's that's who she is. If you can hear, her, she's like scratching at the thing because she can hear me talking.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I can't. That that is that is the best description of Meredith. Although I, I stand yeah. by probably not on craft, but just on like. The fairy floss that is the size of your mm-hmm. head. Like I think yes, that's that's you plus sugar. Yeah, me plus. Now sugar. Now I can that's
3: 100% it. picture two people having a conversation. Meredith at the door. Scratch, scratch. Hey, hey. Hey. <laughs>
1: hey. Can I meet hey, you, Patricia and Harold? Can, can I? Can I come in? Yeah. Can, is, is, is it cool? Can I? Can I join you now?
0: So, like, I mean, what? So, what's your what's your relationship with like nerd culture? Because obviously, like, me and Ben, oh, yeah. we've. We know each other pretty well, but like mm-hmm. you know, we've we only really met properly through this podcast. I believe yeah. you may have done one non-peer review in the I past. I think we did
2: one or two potentially. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but I I met you guys through Kate because Kate and yeah. I um, we did the same um, science communication degree at the Australian National University.
1: Right. But
2: a year apart. <laughs> but a year apart. Yes. So yeah. you were working at Questacon when I was there. I was. Yeah. I was. Um, yeah. But we'll
1: get to that. I'm sure. At some point. We will.
2: Yes. So, um, yeah. So I am a massive nerd. I love anything to do with um, fantasy, in particular. Um, science fiction, definitely. Um, I grew up watching Star Trek, um, Star yep. Wars. Um, my uh dad i have these memories of dad reading um the chronicles of narnia to me when i was a kid and the hobbit Mm. and lord of the rings and yeah so i my nerd culture goes deep i am i just realized i have a like my dungeons and dragons book is a um a lord of the rings kind of folio with there's some good in this world mr frodo and it's worth fighting for written on it (laughs) Yeah, so um, yeah, I'm a massive nerd. Anything to do with science fiction and fantasy. And, you know, you were talking about the video games before. I wasn't ever allowed to play video games when I was a kid. So the second I could afford a PlayStation, I was like, and that is mine. Um, and one of the very first things I played was Dragon Age, and I just fell in love with it. And I'm a massive, massive Dragon Age fan. Um, so yeah, I lean more towards fantasy, but yeah, science fiction is there as well. Um, yes, yeah, so yeah. That's that's kind of where I'm coming from,
0: but also I mean, you we we all have this science background, and mm-hmm. you've done a lot of like science communication, and mm-hmm. currently it's also your job in a different capacity to Ben, mm-hmm. but you're you're doing that as well. I mean,
2: <laughs> I was one of those kids who like always knew what I wanted to do. So when I was twelve, mm-hmm. I was like, I want to have a PhD in chemistry, and I have a PhD in chemistry now. Um, thing was, I realized I hated it when I was doing it. Hey, um. I, like, I enjoyed the research and I enjoyed the topic that I was doing, but, yeah, I think this is a bigger conversation about issues in academia, which we mm. can go into, I think, in Dungeons & Doctorates at a later date. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I also realised that I enjoyed talking about other people's research more than I enjoyed doing my own. So that mm. was kind of my reasoning for doing science communication. Like, I loved that, that idea of doing research and investigating something that nobody has ever done. And through my PhD, I discovered something that nobody had known before and the idea of doing that like that's awesome and i'm like i was the one who discovered this thing you know like i discovered that when um when little kind of algae are um are exposed to certain temperatures their proteins start to shift and, and fold in different ways and nobody had mm. ever kind of seen that before and, and been able to say that before so that was really cool Talking to my friends around, you know, around our lunch table was just so much more fascinating to me, like listening to what they were doing and listening to yeah. what they were discovering. Um, I w- found I was kind of going home and being like, and, you know, to my housemates and just being like, you will never guess what my friend discovered today. This is so cool. Um, so I guess I just, I like being on the hype train for science. So yeah, I, yeah that was why I decided to do, to run away and join the circus and become a science communicator. So yeah, yeah. I did the science circus and now I work... Um, with kids at a place called Science Space here in Wollongong. Um, And we do all sorts of, like, shows and performing, Um, a lot of video content at the moment because we don't have schools coming in. Um, But, yeah, I think my my aim at the moment is to, you know, um, give kids an idea of what science can be and how exciting it is and how fun it is as well. So we do that through shows and through um, excursions and all sorts of fun stuff. So
0: it's really cool. That's the stuff that kind of captures kids' imaginations, mm-hmm. right? Like, I, yeah, I, I guess definitely some of us are lucky. Like, I just always had an interest in science mm-hmm. for, for, for whatever reasons. Like, mm-hmm. and, and as well, I think England, in, like British TV, has a rich yes. history of really good science programming as well. Science
2: communication in the UK is great,
0: but and I think that's what captured me, and I think going I think but kids going and seeing mm-hmm. what science yeah, can be like it's a great gateway yeah. to get them into the sort of hardcore stuff later on mm-hmm. I think
2: yeah like we do a liquid nitrogen show and you know the, yeah. the number of kids who come out of that being like science is awesome I'm like yeah, yeah. it is great awesome. I, I
3: grew up going mm-hmm. to a, a science uh, center in mm-hmm. Brisbane like, yeah as often as I could basically yeah
2: definitely yeah. me too yeah so it's like being able to work somewhere like that is fantastic. So that's, yeah. that's my full time job at the moment.
0: And it probably cool. it probably helps you a little bit. Let's like bring it back to the show and D and D. You've mm-hmm. never played D and D before. No, I have not.
2: Had no, you heard I, of D
0: and D much yeah. before the
2: show? Like I um I remember going to a um another podcast recording. I think it was for um, the Guilty Feminist, um, and they it was at Giant Dwarf Theatre in Sydney on Redfern. And they had a whole bunch of the other Giant Dwarf Theater podcasts up on the side. And they had one, Dragon Friend. Um, but I remember looking at that going, drag it has dragon in the title. I feel mm-hmm. like this is going to be something that's up my alley. So I like investigated it and realized I absolutely and loved it. Um, so I have been a really big fan of theirs for a long time. But I've never actually played a game myself. So I kind of have an understanding of how the rules work. Although through Dragon Friends, they're a little
1: bit... <laughs> Yes, but um, L- rules, rules. Que- questionable <laughs> Questionable yes.
2: rules. So, but that's what makes them fun, so it's fine. Yes, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I kind of, I had an understanding of how D&D worked, but I'd never played myself. So, yeah, being able to get in there and, and do some things and being that person who, you know, if you've never played D&D before, I am the one who will pipe up and ask questions that you guys might have at the same time. So, yeah yeah
0: so Gwen on Twitter actually wanted to know that now yes. you've been introduced to d and d yeah, like how are you enjoying it, and um what character class would you want to try next, or are yeah. you kind of like a forever bard now?
2: Oh interesting yeah, so I have to say I'm the sort of person when I play fantasy games or like um things like Mass Effect and that kind of stuff when I'm playing video games, I never want to play the like the straight sort of fighter character because yeah. I feel like. If I'm going to play a video game, I want to play the spell slinger, right? Like yeah. I want to have lights coming out of my hands and, you know, doing all sorts of crazy things like that. Because why wouldn't you, right? Like you're you're sitting in front of a character for ages. Like I'm playing a fantasy game. I want to use magic. So I tend to to be the magic user, which is kind of what drew me to being a bard. Plus I I wanted to um I think Meredith, she's doing, um, for those of you that have listened to the Meet the Supervisors episode, she's doing a lot of like history and philosophy of science and telling stories, which I thought kind of fit with the Bard a little bit more than than maybe like a spell character, um, like a wizard or a sorcerer. So, um, yes, but that was definitely second on my list. So I think I'd probably go with either one of those two. Yeah, wizard or yeah. sorcerer. I play World of Warcraft um, yep. a lot and um, my main character is a mage, so... I tend towards those sorts of characters, like ranged characters.
1: Nice. Yeah. That's actually really funny because my preferred type yeah. of play like character is a bard. Yeah. And I am so not playing a bard in <laughs> <so. laughs> well, well we'll So we've totally
0: we'll, swapped. We'll get back to that in a uh, yeah. in a second. But yeah. Kate. Yes. Why don't why don't you tell us about yourself? How God. did you get here today on this stupid show that we're producing? <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: well, uh, I have a bit of a weird uh, long way round, I guess, because I met Ben back in the day. Um, I want to say, two thousand and nine, Young Scientists of Australia National Convention, just outside of Brisbane, was when he, when you did your masters, Ben. You were coming to uh, ANU, where I had already done my. Um, Masters in science communication outreach, also known as Joe has said as the science circus. Whoop, whoop. Um, and Ben was like, "Hey, tell me more about the 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 CPAS and the the place that living on campus and living on campus." And Ben ended up living in the same hall that I lived in when I was there for the period of time I was there. But we never overlapped in Canberra, so I think I have seen Ben literally once yeah. ever at NatCon. And then everything else I've ever done with Ben has been,
3: yeah. Digital. I think it was. It uh, was. I need someone to do a science podcast with my non-peer-reviewed. Who do I know that's intrasci- intrascience? science? Kate does science things. I should yeah. contact her and get in. Contact and,
1: and funnily again. enough, that first episode, that well, second episode of non-peer-reviewed, but first episode I was on was Ross and I. So that's the mm-hmm. first time I met Ross <laughs> mm-hmm. and Joe. I, mean, I we should because, say, yeah,
0: the you four go. of us have never been in the same room no. at the same time. No.
1: no. No, I met uh, Ben so I, for I, the first time in earlier this, this year, year in February, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I've never uh, met Ross and the before times conference, Back in yeah. the before times. Um Well, because I and I'd met Joe because uh, there was a bit of an overlap between mm-hmm. Science Circus years in terms of I was still in Canberra doing a different mm-hmm. job and working at Questacon, the National Science and Technology Centre. Hey. Uh, but in the in the it was at the time called the Excited Particles, where at the time I was basically blowing things up. Um, and doing the music show as Jody the roadie um,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> at Questacon and working in another science comms job in Canberra. And then I moved to Sydney and did blowing things up uh, similar ways to the way Joe does at Science Space, but mm-hmm. I did it doing incursions, so going into schools. Um, and then at the start of this year, I left that job and uh, moved back to Perth because I'm doing another master's because three degrees wasn't enough. Let's select no. another one, but not a PhD. Uh, so I'm doing my second master's and I'm uh, training to be a primary school teacher because I think that in the same way that Joe uh, gets to do stuff in a museum context, I think that uh, it's important that the curriculum is well taught, uh, mm-hmm. both in terms of science and maths and, and all facets, because as someone who has been doing theatre and improv for a very long time, um, I see the connection between, you know, the cool science research creative side of your brain and the mm-hmm. let's be a character and dig into a backstory probably too much for my own good. I was a big nerd in, in undergrad. I was part of the University Science Fiction and Fantasy Association and and all of that. I, I joined because they had a TARDIS on O'Day and uh, hell yeah, I think was the technical terminology there uh, and spent lots of lots of time in that club room and talking all things. But never and never came up for me. At all until Ben was like, "Hey, let's! I got this idea. I want to do this thing." I was like, "All right, yeah, sure." I know nothing, and have subsequently ended up knowing too much too fast.
0: Well, let's talk about that because you had never played D D. Yeah, uh, and we'll get a little bit into the genesis of the no. podcast in a, in, a, in a second. But you'd yeah. never played D and D either. Nope. But uh, you sort of. <laughs> I mean to break the fourth wall a little between the inception of the podcast <laughs> and the first episode releasing. There's quite a lot of time, and yes, because we, we, we and I it to be right. Me, ben especially we it to put be in right. a lot of groundwork for for this to be successful. Oh yeah, wow! And we, we 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 all wanted it to be right, so you know we just allowed the time to to really get things set. But yeah. you really jumped into D and D before, so <laughs> well, we started. Uh,
1: yeah, I mean. I'm, I'm the kind of person who likes to do, if I'm going to do something properly, I'm going to learn how to do it f- first. Um, and so I had a bunch of friends from improv in Sydney. Um, in fact, half of us who were taught by Eden Lacey of Dragon Friends. Um, whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop. Shout out to Eden, um, who uh, played D&D and someone wanted to run like a one shot. And I was like, oh, well, I'll jump on that because that gives me some quote unquote practice get some reps in, in the true improv sense, um, before playing. And then um, some other people I know were like, oh, well, we're going to start a Sunday morning thing entirely through Discord um, during COVID. And I was like, well, I'll jump on that because, like, that sounds fun. I can't do improv and I can't do rehearsals right now because it's lockdown. Um, So it kind of became one of those things of, it became my creative outlet um, and my big nerd energy, kind of took over Uh, as I say I play basically bards in every other campaign I play in but um I also was lucky enough that a friend of mine Joel ran uh offered to run on his Facebook like a DMs boot camp for people who'd never DM'd before but were vaguely interested in doing so and I was like well that's a good opportunity to learn the rules and learn a bit more of the sort of behind the curtain stuff um and the sort of task at the end of that was to go and run a game so I did basically. And that game turned into another game. It turned into another game, turned into me running every two weeks for a group of friends, Um, various one shots, because some of them are in Melbourne and still in lockdown as at the time of recording this. Um, Some of them are in Perth and wanted something fun to do. But that was, you know, if your life gets in the way, it's not like you have to be there every week, because it's one shots. So it's flexible. Um, But yeah, so I kind of, I did the thing of diving in with both, you know, with with my whole body and was like, yeah! But strangely had never played before. Potentia is still the first character I ever built, but she's not the first character I ever played.
0: Yeah. Which is kind of cool. So I like that we all have varying levels of experience. Like, you know, Ben Mm -hmm. is like a a veteran of D&D and and role-playing games. And I have like a few years of actually playing and so yeah we have this thing where like ben's played a lot of role play games i've played you know quite a bit and then kate you played a decent amount and then joe was kind of like our, our lens of 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 the audience Thank you for listening to The Common Room. If you have questions for the crew, you can find out how to submit your questions as well as a host of other information at dndoctorates.com. That's dndoctorates.com. If you've been enjoying Dungeons & Doctorates, please rate and review the show as well as telling a friend. It really helps. I mean, let's so let's talk about the, the genesis of the podcast because I was, I was looking at the tweet, right? So on the 28th of January this year, Ben Ben tweeted the idea of like he's seriously considering starting a and D podcast set in a university where all the players have real life science backgrounds. So like let me let me give you a bit of a timeline because this is amazing, right? That tweet goes out at eight thirty p.m. on the January twenty eighth. At eight thirty six, I replied with would totally be involved in that. And by nine p.m., both you and Joe were on board, and it's. <laughs>
2: Yeah, that sounds about right. 30 We're like, minutes. sorry, hi Hi Ben.
1: Yes. Hey. Hello. Yes. Hi. Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> yeah. And that's it. Like so my that, puppy that at was... the door. Knock knock knock. <laughs> yeah. Well And I swear there are other minutes. people on that tweet. Are there other people on that tweet who are like, I'd be interested and it's just like yeah. four of us being like, No. <laughs> Hello, <laughs> no. <laughs>
0: hi. <laughs> yeah, so there are definitely some like there are definitely other people who expressed interest, but I think I mean I don't want to put words into your mouth, Ben, but obviously we've worked together a lot. And I think probably for you you might you, you imagine that knowing the relationship that we all had even if separately but sort of together in in our weird sort of non peer review family way um <laughs> that it would work
3: yeah i guess i was i was looking for I had, I had like i had people in mind and the three of you answered my call
1: <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> we saw the smoke signal
2: yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you played us like puppets.
0: But yeah, I mean, that's that's the crazy thing. Like, we, we were all on board so quick, quickly with this idea. Like, I, I'd wanted to do a podcast in D&D for a while. Um, and the fact that you were offering to do all the hard stuff know, like I- being <laughs> the GM was like, mm, yep, that, that sounds good. I mean, <laughs> l- let's talk a little bit about that, Ben, because... As I said before, like you are a really experienced DM, but the world that we're playing in is a homebrew world, which for people who are new to D&D means it's not like a published world with a book. This world comes from mostly your brain, mm-hmm. but it, it, it wasn't created just for us, right? Like This world has existed for a long time, and actually a lot of people have played in this and actually created organic history in this world.
3: Yeah, I... This world in in one form or another has existed for a decade. It's gone through a couple cataclysms, um, which have <laughs> allowed me to update the map because I was Tied with my first, uh, I believe it was drawn in paint. And then the next mm. version was hand-drawn and scanned and updated.
0: And then now I've got a, a much nicer, decent Photoshop version. Ben, I remember uh, when we were living together, and this would have been about five years ago now, which is kind of crazy. I think you had just finished this map for the first time and you you figured out that in, in that version of Photoshop, you could create 3D objects from 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 2d tiles and you turned the map into a globe and i remember you were so excited you like called me like ross come and see this it's so cool and i remember looking at this this thing because like when you see a map it's it's a bit different to when it is actually a world and like all of the continents are in the right place and it, it i don't know like it really comes alive but i think because of that um you know listeners might have been surprised by how deep the world is already and that's because you've been letting players shape this world for a long time now and it's actually informed a lot of the events of today.
3: I had, I had three different groups playing through this world simultaneously, never directly interacted, but I specifically recall one instance of a group blowing up a ship and the other group waiting for that ship that never arrived. So when it came to building this city, this city existed, masters existed in my world, and players had interacted with characters in that world. But I decided I wanted to progress time a little bit more to give me some more freedom and flexibility from my established lore. We played a, uh, a game called this... It's the Quiet Year, which is a game about map making and drawing and collaborative storytelling. And I decided that we would play the Quiet Year for Pheromustus. And so we got to introduce a lot of cool moments because the Quiet Year is a great very intuitive, very interactive storytelling game. We got to take Ferromastis and I had four other people collaboratively helped me add story elements to it. And there are a few things that I... Because I was the person, you know, playing as well. There are things I wanted to have eventually be in Ferramastis. So I I maybe nudge things certain ways when it was my turn to play. But there are so many things that exist in Ferramastis as it is now that only exist because I had these other players play a game with me. And that's why I think the world feels so organic. And yeah, like I, I then... I took all of those things that they created... And then just allowed time to progress. So, you know, there were some dwarves who came to the city as refugees. And then I've allowed time to progress, and now there's a dwarven district in town. Yeah, it's it's a fleshed out world because it is, like it's, it's being
0: lived in. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's what I love about it. I I think it yeah. really like I think it benefits us as players a lot. Uh, and we'll talk about that uh, in just a second. And also, I think it benefits the audience because it just feels so good mm-hmm. when, you know, ev- everything kind of has a reason. And uh, I'm really looking forward to exploring that as players. Um, but Paul on Twitter wanted to know how, you know, now we have this world. How did we come up with our characters? And um, I mean, let's start with you, Joe, because I've created characters before. Kate had mm-hmm. created well, I mean, this was her first character creation, but I guess having some improv experience has kind of created characters yeah. before. Um, I mean, what was what was your idea coming in to this game? Because you've played RPGs, so you kind of know what like it's like. Yeah. But those character creations are obviously a little more guided in those games. So Yeah,
2: they're a little more guided, and you don't really have to think about personality either. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's a lot of things. Like one of the big ones that I play is World of Warcraft, and I've played that yeah. for like 10, 11 years now. And um, it's, you know, it's all about the gameplay. It's not really, and the, kind of like the lore in the world. That's kind of the main reason I play it for the <laughs> I'm one of the very few World of Warcraft players who play it for the story. Because <laughs> <Anyway>, um, <laughs> I got heavily addicted at one point and then had to like, really kind of put like strict limits on how I play it. But anyway, so I play it to play through the story now. Um, but yeah, I'd never really had to think about my personality because that was always just kind of given so yeah. playing this kind of like strict sort of role play kind of experience was really different for me. Um, so I think what I I did to approach it was, you know, how I said before, she's very much like me, but on steroids. Mm. I think that was a very deliberate choice because I wasn't sure how I would go playing somebody who's very different to me. I think I would yeah. just naturally make decisions that I would make in the moment. So, um, yeah, I think Meredith is, is an interesting one for me because she's kind of turned into who I I want to be and how I want to react in certain situations but yeah you know what I mean so she's like a heightened version of me like who I yeah
3: that's pretty common
2: yeah exactly the the first
3: characters often
2: are just like a, a version of yourself yeah precisely and I feel like that's the the easiest way to go for a new player is to um while you're getting your head around how everything works and how it all it all comes together and how to play the game it's really it's quite handy to have somebody who is very similar to you Um, And because I don't have, like, I've got a lot of of experience being a presenter. I'm presenting as myself, though. So I'm not presenting as a character. I'm not doing improv. I'm not, you know, playing a different person. So I think using my background and using my experience, I just thought, well, Meredith can be like me.
3: But turned up to 11.
2: But turned up to 11. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean... Yeah, one of my um, my ambassadors, that's what we call our floor staff, um, our science-based ambassadors, I'm I'm their manager, and um, they know that I'm a bit of a hype train and a bit of it. They call me the energizer bunny as a presenter. That's 100% a little, you. That is 100% yeah. you. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, she found out I was getting a Labradoodle, like a Labrador, and she just kind of looked at me and went, "Joe, you and a Labrador, like, uh, <laughs> too much. Turn it
1: down. <laughs> so... <laughs> But you'll be able to keep up with the Labradoodle puppy. I know.
2: I know. So it's great. It is important. Um, Yeah. So that's kind of how I went about that. And um, I was sitting in my, I was learning um, Australian Sign Language, Auslan. Um, Shout out to Peter, who gave me the idea for her last name, Meadowlark. That wasn't me. That was totally him. So Meadowlark is a very like hoppity name, but because she's a bard, she sings Lark, Meredith Meadowlark. So shout out to Peter for that. Thank you very much. That's worked really well. But yeah, so that's kind of how I approach the character. Um, a lot of the backstory stuff as well, I kind of didn't realise just how much was needed potentially. But a lot of that I think Ben and I have chatted about in recent months. Um, and there's a few kind of bits and pieces that will pop up in future episodes that may We're
0: so mad. Intrigue. We're so mad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're, we're foreshadowing a bit here because we've <laughs> yeah, already recorded some sessions that you folks have not heard at mm-hmm. home. Uh, there were a couple of moments that happened that, uh, our characters didn't yeah. see, so as players, we've seen, but our characters didn't. And, yeah, and and yeah, so it's it's going to be interesting to see in the yes. future how much more we can learn about Meredith and mm-hmm.
1: and and. Her but yeah, past. but a lot or, of
2: that was definitely done in post.
1: <laughs> I think Ross and I are like 100, percent like, but we want to know now. I know. Yeah. So this Give is us, how
2: I felt about
0: no. your Kate. Well, yeah, let's talk about Kate then yes. and Potentia. Um, so, Kate, I mean, you you've alluded to the fact that you've put a lot of a lot of thought into your into your character um yes obviously potentia is kind of the most i don't want to use the word exotic but like foreign you know like she comes yes. from a, a, a pretty different culture mm-hmm. from a land that's kind of pretty far away um and obviously that that kind of will affect your character so what, i mean what was your process for creating potentia
1: um, well, I sort of came at it from two prongs. Firstly, I have a lot of friends who have played a lot of D anD. d And I'm sure Ross, you and I have met. We, we've had conversations, in fact, as a group about reasons that I potentially didn't get into D anD. d Until later, uh, yeah. which I'm sure will come up at some point. But um, I got in touch with a couple of people I know and was basically like, "Look, gonna do this thing. What you know? You know me either from an improv perspective or personally. What kind of thing do you think I would have fun?" playing as uh and everyone was like bard and i'm like okay what else (laughs) is like good but but also what else um given the context of like a well also given the context of a fantasy university right like i could play a bard whenever i basically live my life that way so why not do something slightly adjacent and um Someone came up, I don't remember who said it first, um, with the idea of a wizard because logically they are intelligence-driven and that makes sense. Um, and then we sort of said, well, let's do this in a true, like, stereotype the d and thing because we're going for a podcast. So let's go full high elf wizard because that makes sense. And then, you know, I can live out my Lord of the Rings fantasy if I want to. <laughs> but from a character development perspective, I... Uh, and I'm going to paraphrase it because Brennan Lee Mulligan says it way better than I ever could, uh, and people should look up what he says, but that uh, characters are like stained glass that you put in front of the light that you emit yourself. So you you can never really play a character that isn't somewhat based in you, either because it is the negative space of yourself, so they are the complete opposite of you because you know how you would react and therefore they react the opposite way to that, or, you know, um, they are elements of yourself that are revealed and changed and framed by the coloured lens that you put them through, which I think is a really beautiful like way of looking at character creation in general, not just in d Um, And so I was like, cool, I could play a high elf wizard who is a stereotype, or I could figure out why she would be far away from the land that she grew up in, because knowing from having a lore dump from Ben, I knew that the place that she would come from was not where we are set for the purposes of doing doctorates, so I'm like, okay, well, why would you leave? Why would you leave that place? Um, what would what would be some things that would make you leave? And some people who know me reasonably well know that I grew up in the city I am in now. I'd left for, I say seven years because I spent two of like the two years before I actually left mostly overseas, <laughs> but you know, I spent a lot of time away from Perth, and I left because I was kind of done. In a sense, I'm back. Like, I'm not fully done, obviously, but, like, I didn't need to live here for a while. And um, I was like, okay, so what reasons might someone have to choose to go somewhere else, to choose to travel? Um, and I sort of based her in a lot of that. Now, I'm not going to reveal any of that because yeah. the players don't know that. Ben knows a lot of it so uh, for miss. obvious reasons. He has, uh, you know, thousands of cake thoughts on <laughs> that and so many things to play with. Um, but I also know that if you... If you have a fully fleshed out character, and this is from an improv perspective, if you know who you are and you can give as enough of that to someone else, they have a world in which to play with and things that they can throw in your path to make your character more interesting and to make plot hooks for your character. Um, so Ben and I had to have conversations about, you know, who my family are and, you know, why I left. And, you know, I think we've mentioned at this point that I went on a gap decade so where did I yeah. go on my Gap Decade? Because that's still one of my favorite like, things. Oh, man. The gap, so the gap Decade. The Gap Decade. Love yeah, it. Yeah. Like, it's just it's just great. Because she's, like, compared to all the other characters, she's not 20. Because that would be weird. Because she's an elf. <laughs> like, yeah. you know. So um, I think, Ben, you at one point said that I built her backwards. Because I built her from backstory, not...
3: I, so there are two ways you can build a character in my mind. You can build it mechanically where I want to have this character do these things. And then what is the backstory that allow, like that makes sense and fits with this character. And then there's the other way where you do a backstory focus. where you decide like who they, who they are, what they, what they, what their history is. And then you create a character whose mechanics reflect that backstory.
1: Um, And I think that that, That is the way that I do it for um, when I'm playing a character on stage. I work out who they are, because that means that every scene, no matter what else is happening, if something goes wrong, I know who they are, so they do the thing that they would do in Dean Doctor. It's like, there are periods of time where I don't say anything because she wouldn't Mm -hmm. say anything. She would sit there in silence. Or, you know, um, spoiler alert here, but, you know, in the Meet the Supervisors episode... Um, I remember there being a conversation during the recording of that uh, where Ben was like, "Kate potentially has to get the envelope out of her pocket," and I'm like, yeah. "I know," but she wouldn't do it in here. Like she has to go yeah. outside. <laughs> yeah. Like, like yes, yeah. I know. I Kate the player knows, but I can't. Like I can't do yeah. that yet. I need. Yeah. And we're going to talk about that a bit later because
0: <laughs> that that was that was a fun little behind the scenes thing for so I, I think the listeners. So, like well, I, I yeah. think talking about those two different ways I, I i built my character the way the first way that ben described i think mm. because i'm i'm very immersed in like D&D tropes i think what i wanted to do was maybe subvert the expectations of the mechanics of a character and so i created this city-born noble druid because you know normally druids are these forest forest dwelling hippies right and that's spoiler alert not really my personality but I've wanted to play a druid for a while and so I thought well (laughs) really what if you know what if what if I create this character who has a completely antithetical background to what a druid would be Mm -hmm. and so I I kind of knew the kind of person that I wanted to play but then I went backwards from that you know Mm -hmm. and I was like well how on earth would a would a, a a noble person be able to become a druid in the kind of environment they would grow up. So I I knew I had to have a lot of siblings so that my character, by the time they're the youngest of like four or five, would have the freedom from their parents to be able to pursue things like that. You know, I knew that if my siblings were successful, that meant that I could possibly be given a bit more freedom. And, you you know, because a lot of families are like that, right? They, you you sort of, there are expectations about, especially successful, not successful, but families that have jobs that are considered sort of You know those kind of jobs in society what would spawn harold to want to do these things and so i created this uncle figure who was kind of like an inspiration for him and reasons to study and 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 that's kind of how i've thought about it like how possibly could my character end up here and i think the thing is is that i'm not really a meta gamer in, in in the strict sense i don't put a lot of time optimizing my characters for maximum efficiency i want them to have the best flavor for them and I think that's the thing with this the star circle. I'm so lucky. He was going to be, I think, circle of the moon or something like that. So I kept elements of that. Like there's the I, I kept the part where Harold um, studied zoology, because to him that was the only real way to get it the things that druids do classically. But I think it was literally a week before our session zero, this circle of stars yeah. on um, Earth popped up, which are these sort of playtesting classes. And it was just so perfect for me mm-hmm. as, as a as some as as a show that's about academics. I was like, well, astronomy is something that I'm personally interested in, but never had the chance to study. So if I give my character this completely flavorful and game reason to study this stuff, that would be really cool. Yeah, and I've been absolutely loving playing harold and like all of the weird star and constellation stuff it's just so different to the rest of magic in DD, and i'm i'm i'm, I'm loving it orion is a love best. orion <laughs> and now we have orion which is which is really cool so david david wanted to know mostly for the players um how much of the world building material do we as players have when playing so things like maps law history etc and how much did you have when designing characters so we had when designing characters, pretty much like as much as we needed, right, Ben? Like you mm-hmm. were willing to give us whatever we needed to make the characters. But mm-hmm. as we play, um, we only actually have the lore that our characters would know. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't really play with battle maps or anything like that. It's very much no. like mind theatre type stuff.
1: Yeah. yeah, I think we've got a map of the city, a map of the university, a map of the world.
2: Yeah, we know I've where got... our characters have come from.
1: yeah. I've got a bunch of background about a bunch of different uh, continent, uh, countries and continents and cities and stuff because Ben and I were plotting out my gap decade, but I, I probably know less about Imperium than I should at this point, given that's where she comes from, which if it hasn't been revealed is about to be revealed and so ooh spoiler she comes from a place across the sea but I'm fairly oh, sure you talk comes. about it in
0: session 0 we talked about this world that Ben created that is you know has a lot of history we can't as players just kind of like keep all of that in our head so what what often happens that as a listener you don't hear is if if we think our characters should know we get Ben to tell it to us and then we regurgitate that as if we knew you're, it you you comes through your
3: character's lens. So I will yeah. tell you the lore dump that you need and then Howard um, will say, yeah. Oh
0: well I know about this bar.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: But we the, cut oh, yes, that stuff at the base
1: of the bars. <laughs>
0: yes. So we, we cut a lot of stuff out that you guys as 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 listeners don't hear to make the story more sort of mm. seamless and the narrative flow. But very often we will stop and Ben will give us the things that our character <laughs> would need to know. But then we put it through our own character's lens. Um, you know, like like um I think we actually did keep this part in in the uh in in the orientation week, Harold knows about this this mobster family of elves in the city. Oh yeah. But oh yeah decides to keep that to himself in the moment. Yeah. So even though the lore dump happened, we still don't technically explore that really as players until a little bit later. So mm. Mm. so this is an interesting one from Doug because I, I have a feeling that the answer will be a little skewed towards um uh, <laughs> Ben, but how much prep work do you as players slash the DM do before each session? So I'm going to let Ben start because he deserves no. a, a bit of a moment in yes. the spotlight here, I yeah. suspect. A little
1: bit. Yeah, answer is um, Ben does a lot. Yeah,
3: <laughs> I do a lot of prep. Uh, before we started recording, even before we started recording, I had mm-hmm. done a lot of prep work.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: At fleshing out the world, the characters, my overarching like if I if I think about story arcs I'll have ideas for story arcs that are these nebulous things where I have like a few ideas of what I want story points and then as we get get closer to those arcs they solidify into okay I I want them to go here I want them to talk to these people and I have maybe a few key moments in that story it's collaborative so I can't control it so I, I just set set the pieces up and let my players walk through. Sometimes those pieces don't work when I, I need say, them to. I you say how
1: much have we? How much have you had to trash? That's what I'm curious about. Yeah. Is how much have you prepped that's just been like, well. Flip.
3: There was, okay, well, let's use um, Orientation Week as an example. I had a heist set up where you were going to go to the chemistry lab and steal mm. some chemicals and you're <gasps> like, let's go shopping instead. Not with, two,
1: not, no. with two noble background, not with two noble background people in your in your party of three. <laughs> we're going shopping. Oh, so no. there's,
3: there's things I'm, I, I, I'm trying to recycle, you know, reduce, reuse, yeah. recycle. I'm trying to recycle some <laughs> of that story into future things. Yeah, yeah for um, sure. I also have, I have like PhD timelines of like what happens in a PhD Mm -hmm. yeah and then fitting story elements into those things I have some really great story ideas Mm. but I'm like oh that can't happen until like second semester and that Mm -hmm. can't happen until like the mid-year gap and that can't Mm -hmm. happen until like second year so I have these cool ideas for stories but I also have like sometimes i'll just have a flash of inspiration and go oh let's add in this npc and let's let's do that i'm mm. um, i am someone who can't help but add in easter eggs for the future
0: yeah <laughs> I, and you do I, that I, really I'm
3: well I'm mm. constantly yeah. laying the groundwork for introducing characters and like little plot elements which will come back later on well like i you know i've i've introduced NPC characters who you've met once who will come back in future arcs. And you're like, oh, it's this person we
0: met at Orientation Week or we met at a party or something. And then, and I think the audience is going to really appreciate that too. Um, I think it's, a, it's another thing that makes the world so interactive. Um, but in terms of, of other planning things,
3: I have played with lots of groups that were very combat heavy, very mm. mechanics focused. And so I had to be very very careful with my planning for fights. But they didn't care so much about the law. Yeah. And you're you're the complete opposite. You you care mostly about the law and my fights become really kind of flexible and loose. And like I think I think I, I prefer role playing stuff more. People who have played with me for D&D will know that I love getting into a character and I love I mean there are certain NPCs that we've haven't met yet but i've 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 almost duplicated from one place to another yeah just like different names and things um actually the under library is a the mechanics of the fights for much of Mm. the under library i ran previously for a different group
1: right yeah the dungeon dive
3: is something i wrote a long time ago with different story elements involved. And I've kind of recycled yeah. that and reworked it because they had a great time with it and it works so well
0: in this this setting.
2: That whole we'll, arc we'll, we'll is just good. We'll get to that so because good.
0: I want to I dive a little deeper into the setting uh, of that. Um, so as players, I think, we do a bit less prep. Uh, oh, yeah. Certainly, I, one of the nice things is because we are producing this podcast, Ben and I especially get to listen to it a lot. Um so I, I actually I'm I'm not a uh especially careful note taker because I know I can just listen to it yeah. at any point and I will. Um but there's certainly some stuff like um there's a session coming up that uh Kate and I sort of engineered initially to be a vehicle for Joe and then put that to Ben. So we do it is very collaborative. Um that sometimes we do as players have ideas, but yeah. yeah. So there's there's not too much prep, um, because we don't actually know what's going to happen. Like we no. basically just have yeah. to think about our characters. And there's certainly been discussions out of game about mm-hmm. characters and how we're feeling and stuff as well. Um, I think the biggest prep work comes when you level up. Like that's yeah, sort basically. Of the biggest
2: thing. Yeah. I mean, I go back and read through my notes before each podcast and, like, remind myself of who the characters are and, like, what the rough storyline of each of the things. But, yeah, I feel like it's better just to kind of react in the moment from our point of view.
1: Yeah, I probably do a little bit more than the others, but that's Mm. more to do with the fact that I am permanently thinking about her actions in terms of what her background is.
0: And I think that is where the most work does go on. Like, there's some between-player chat because we obviously want to tell a good story between ourselves. But I think mostly um, it's kind of working with Ben to sort of figure out Mm -hmm. things like um there's a bit of it's, information it's me about messaging you late at night saying hey did you have a nickname when you were
3: a child yeah basically yes. <laughs> like which, which is
1: entirely because ben and i had a conversation about <laughs> nicknames and <Yeah>. my family <laughs> like, yeah
0: but yeah i am so, sorry
1: every other player that's fine it my fault well, the thing was it <laughs> did become
0: relevant for harold it, the yes. spoilers, yeah spoilers but it it, it it does become relevant for harold uh in a future episode, so... I
2: like all of that kind of stuff as well that I think you guys have done behind the scenes has really helped me, you know, from the perspective of a new player, kind of figure out, oh, that's what I need to think about. And actually that's going to help me make Meredith seem more... well, fleshed out and rounded out. And they're the sort of things that I need to be thinking of if I'm playing in this particular way. Yeah. Your
3: your history doesn't necessarily say who you are now, but it did shape.
0: We did did a session zero that... uh, basically set the tone in a a lot of ways about how we were going to role play as a group and the sort of the tone we wanted the show to have you know are we going to be an adult focused show is this going to be a more universally applicable show you know um, and how our characters work so obviously We've alluded to the fact that we all worked together in various ways on non-peer-reviewed and in other ways, but we'd never played D&D before, we'd never played a game. I'm kind of curious what everyone's expectations were going in.
2: I think I was expecting, I wasn't expecting something as serious as it turned out to be. Like, we've got a really good balance, I think, between like hilarious moments like Orion, yeah. the squid, who inexplicably yeah. follows us with a faster land speed than my character, which is just <laughs> not okay. That is still not okay. Like there You are have some, short legs. You I know. You have short legs. There are just some... Yeah, You're but... Yeah. I'm not you a superhero
3: Orion has, you know, multiple.
2: I know, but I am not ocean-based. Anyway, that's a whole other... <coughs> anyway. Um, so there are some delightful moments like that, but, you know, my introduction to Dungeons & Dragons was Dragon Friends, which is very much an irreverence of they don't even pretend to follow the rules and they just, you know, they have so much fun. And that's not to say that we don't, but I think they very deliberately kind of go towards... They the, are a comedy podcast. They're a comedy podcast, uh, yeah, yeah. And we're not a comedy podcast. Um, there are funny moments, but, um, yeah, I think it was a lot more serious than I thought it was. I think that kind of comes across sometimes in some of the decisions Meredith makes, which is not a bad thing, but... I mean, all I'm going to say is of, the yeah. shirt
1: moment is one of my favorite moments <laughs> that we've yeah. had so far, because yeah. I was like... Where I try and steal bra- t t-shirt. Why? Wait, my, bra- my brain as Kate was like, who does that? I'm like, that is exactly <laughs> a reaction in this moment, is... Who does that?
2: Exactly. And I still have no idea why I tried. Anyway... Um, it was great. It, it, it was is so interesting funny.
0: though, right? Because I think the tone yeah. of the show did I think is is just a natural emergence of mm-hmm. our history with this medium. Yeah. Because yeah, absolutely. You know, like, you know, having seen Dragon Friends and I know Kate, you're into the Ox Ventures, there are mm-hmm. a lot more irreverent, loose podcasts where and mm-hmm. yeah. I really cut my teeth on like years at this point of like Critical Role, which is a, yeah. is a lot more dramatic yeah. and serious. And I I I I very much enjoy the comedic podcast as well. So mm-hmm. I, I think my character is very much like down the line and a bit more serious and dramatic. But yeah. because of those influences of the more comedic podcast, I'm happy yeah. to participate in those moments. Yeah. And yeah. I actually think it sets us up in a it gives us a nice balance between I think the, so, definitely. the serious and the, the lighthearted, which and as I mean, a grad for student me, you definitely need. A yeah, that. totally. But I think mm-hmm. for me as
2: well, like Meredith, she makes a lot more sense to be on that kind of lighthearted side as well. Yeah. So it kind of works out. Like if I were trying to play a deadly serious character, it would make no sense at all. But
1: because yeah. Meredith I mean, is who the she world, is.
3: as well, is is that mix? It's a mix of mm-hmm. serious yeah. stuff going yeah. on, but then we're going to encounter people who are basically playing fantasy Magic: The Gathering
0: and yeah, yeah, <laughs> and or like going, Dead Fred you know. and
1: also Gore. Session zero is interesting because because Potentia came across a lot angrier than I'd ever intended mm. her to in that session, mm-hmm. and same. I think that's because I had no. I think if if you know if Potentia was real and was in, and was thrown into a situation where she had been thrown into a group uh-huh. with someone who was hyper positive all the time, <laughs> she would be pissed off. She'd yeah. be like, "The heck is this person?" But that's not fun in a game setting. And I, yeah, yeah. I know that we all talked about originally. Session zero was never supposed to be released. It was supposed no. to be a essentially a chemistry session, yeah. Um, between all of us, and then we were going to release from um what has now become Join the Club, um, which would have been fine, except we then back referenced everything from session zero in Join the Club and Going Rogue. So you know, whoops. Yep. Mm. But in saying that, I don't actually think that's a bad thing. No, but yeah. it absolutely, you can see the difference. I think. In mm. definitely in Potentia, and I, I think in Harold a bit as well between those two sessions. I think definitely,
3: yeah. except after I, I edited session zero, there is a, there is in the in in the wilds of the internet, um, hidden away somewhere off offline, there is a original cut of episode zero, mm-hmm. which has Harold and Potentia being much more stuffy and, and mm-hmm. angry
0: characters. Yes, mm. yeah. um, I mean Harold certainly came out a lot more of this sort of. The stereotype of nobility that exists in my head. Mm. When I never intended Harold to be that way. The whole point here is is yeah. a druid. Like he's he's trying to escape the shackles of this stuffy upbringing. Yeah. But yeah. Too much of that came in on session zero. Yeah. And so, you, you'll yeah. see yeah. both both of our characters soften immensely for this. So much. The second one. And Ben did a really good job of. Well, yeah. You tell it, Ben. So we recorded episode. What is now episode two?
3: Episode three and went back and listened to the first three episodes and we realized that episode 2 the first episode of orientation week wasn't actually as strong as what is now you know session 0 mm. and so a lot of work went into reworking yeah. session 0 Because now that that we'd actually spent some time with these characters and they'd been a bit fleshed out, who they were in Session Zero isn't who they are in the rest of the story. So I went back and all it took for most of it was just cutting bits of snark Mm. and bits of extra lines where a character said something and then said something mean or said something mean and then said their dialogue. Mm. And I just had to just snip, just prune bits and pieces enough that their characters still remained, but... I just kind of turned them down slightly from what they were.
1: I was going to say, and I think um, the benefit is that because we had already recorded, I think episode what are now episodes two, three, mm-hmm. and meet the supervisors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At that point, we knew these characters well enough in the way that they were going to be going forward that you could do that without it yeah. ever without us losing the train of what was played. That is probably the one episode where it's like, if anyone's like, do you edit this podcast? I'm like, well, we edited that episode.
3: Yeah, well I took I took the intro from because I, I had a f- the intro for session zero where I, I zoom into the world explaining like closer and closer to the city. That originally was the intro for episode two for for Orientation Week. And I, I had to kind of merge those two introductions together to create something cohesive. And I think I think the first 30 minutes of episode zero, when I went back to, to redo it, the first 30 minutes took me like six hours of editing,
0: pulling it together, tightening it up. I think we talked about like the, 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 the pilot, for, for want of a better word, like our discussion about how to sort of, quote, sort of fix the opening of the show, you know, these first sort of three or four episodes took longer than recording the session. <laughs> You know, because we, yeah, we took it really yeah. seriously. We wanted it to be this sort of really tight experience to draw people in. I think Joe. I think Meredith changes
3: the least.
2: Yeah, she Meredith does. Changes the least. Yeah, she definitely did. There was a lot of her kind of trying to react to Harold and Potentia and being like, "I'm stuck in the middle."
0: well that will do it for this week's episode of the common room thank you so much for joining us in this behind the scenes look at the launch of the dungeons and doctorates podcast join us next week as we get an insight into the minds of the players in the dm discussing the first seven episodes of the show if you like the show please don't forget to like rate and subscribe it really helps us get the word out on the show and we would love you to tell all of your friends about it. If you would like to submit a question for the Common Room, you can find links to that at dndoctorates.com. That's dndoctorates.com.